This is Fantastic Books and How to Read Them. The fantasy book review podcast for fantasy fanatics, book nerds, and lovers of lore and stories. Covering some of the most beloved fantasy series, as well as brand new novels. With your hosts, Sam and Anna Furman. Let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. We are approaching the most important part of this book, I think. This is a major turning point. I would call it probably like the crux of maybe like the crucible. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different paths that can come out of this, obviously, because we are now at the part where Kavoth meets the Cathay and the Cathay knows all the paths Kavoth could take from here. This will lead him down folly and ruin. No. I know. But as he always says, it's a tragedy. Before we dive into chapters 104 through 106, two quick announcements. Yes. Be on the lookout. We're going to be posting our companion series of The Assassins of Mal featuring the author Brian Asher. He's going to be joining us on every episode as we do an analysis and shooting the breeze and discussing his characters, his world building, and the process of writing the book. So that's been really fun. Yep, we've just gotten into it. He also has a second book out called The Treasure of Lorev, which is a little more science fiction-y for those of you who like science fiction as well. The books don't necessarily go in order, but we would love for you guys to follow along with The Assassin of Malkose when that series comes out. Yes. In addition to that, um, I just want to give a special shout out and sincere thanks to um, listeners who have been rating us on Spotify. That's been really awesome to receive some feedback and just genuinely appreciated. Absolutely. And the more stars and reviews we get, the more the podcast grows and the more other people can find and enjoy the podcast along with you. So thank you so much and tell everyone else to rate us too. Yes, please. (laughs) One quick additional announcement is that we forgot to do our discussion question for the week, but we did have someone reach out and answer what their favorite magical accessory would be. So Nicole responded on Spotify and said that (laughs) they would like to have Barbie Rapunzel's magic paintbrush that can teleport you to the place you paint, which honestly sounds amazing, except for the fact that I am a terrible painter. Um, Other than that, we don't have a discussion question for this week because we would really love you all to send in your favorite Cathay fan theories, thoughts on the nameless, thoughts on Bost's reaction and some of the things that he mentions that Kavoth knows about the Fey Realm, like the Sandine. Um, Any thoughts? We're trying to puzzle out best what the Cathay is. So please send us anything you have. So I think that's it for announcements. And onward and upward to chapter 104 of The Wise Man's Fear. Chapter 104, The Cathay. All right. There is a lot to talk about. I know. A lot to unpack. And honestly, just such a major turning point in the novel. There's so many fan theories and analysis that goes into this. Right. Like, what is the Cathay? Who is the Cathay? What are its goals? Why is the Cathay? (laughs) Who, what, when, where, why Cathay? But yeah, it's really just intense. So the chapter takes off with Kavoth with Florian. And she's working on his, his shade, shade still. She's about to be doing some, like, real deal magic. She asks him for iron. Yes. So we're not sure what goes down here, but it's 
risky business it seems making a shade and she's doing a lot of work even to her detriment like going out of her way to protect Kavoth with this shade so it's a really nice gift the final product which we will see at the end of the episode is amazing glorious luxurious <laughs> velvet <laughs> velvet night i think it's interesting in this moment too because Kavoth's like can i help and she's literally shoes him away as if he's like a child in the kitchen. Right. Like up until now, she's been letting him help, but it's time for the adults to get down to business. Yes. And she sends him away. It's literally like, all right, child, you think you know magic? Like, run along. Mm-hmm. So Kvothe does run along. And even though Felorian has told him many, many times to stay close, for some strange reason, he just goes walking in the woods and keeps on going towards daylight the fae as we remember last time is almost like a big circle where it goes from dark to light and if you walk a full loop of it you basically make a day yeah you do a full revolution yeah so i think when he went into the darkest part with Florian, that he's called was like he called that the oldest part of the fae yeah which i'm assuming is related to the creation of the fae like the first part that was created and then moving dayward i think is younger and newer parts of the fae realm i think so and he ends up in this glorious sunlit clearing with a huge tree off in the distance and he gets off the path and walks towards the tree to be fair someone who just genuinely adores sunlight and like daytime and just the warmth and heat of the sun Mm -hmm. i really can't blame kavoth because he has no idea how long he spent in the fae realm so to essentially spend like months in twilight and nighttime. He says the sun is almost like startling to him. Yeah. Because he's been in that dim glade for probably what feels like months at this point, like you said. Yeah. So honestly, it's probably a very welcome return just to have some daylight and sunshine on your skin. Mm, it's got to feel good. And as Kavoth makes his way through these fields, yes, he does see that tree in the distance. And he kind of makes a mental note. Oh, we'll just walk towards the tree and back. But it's deceptive. He thinks it's just a small tree, when in reality, it's a very large tree but that's very far away. Far away. Yes. So he goes walking way off the path. Which leads us to our first question of the cafe. It's supposed to be guarded by the Sith up to the point where like, they don't let anyone near it. They'll kill someone who comes near it. And then even if a crow lands on their body, they'll kill the crow too. So... Where are they? Where the heck are they? Yes. Why are they allowing Kvothe to come this close? This is not what's supposed to be going on. And if this is their sole purpose, what is distracting them? Like, yes, we could say, like, divine intervention, or maybe he caught them, like, changing of the guard. But I think something substantial has had to happen in order for this to transpire. My own personal thought, Mm -hmm. and I never really considered it until we're actually having this conversation, but maybe... Some of the like heavy magics that Fulurian's doing, even if it's far away, is catching their attention. I thought it might have something to do with the fact that Cinder was just out and about. That is very true. So I'm not sure. I think Bost at one point says like if any of the Fae were said to do good, it would be the Sith. We don't necessarily know what their other purposes are, but they do guard the Cathay. That means something worse than the Cathay has to be happening in this moment to have taken them all away. Right. Or there's some bizarre divine intervention going on that purposefully knocked them all out of the area for a while so Kavoth could get here. Regardless, Kavoth does make his way over to this tree. And at first he 
is looking upon the grounds under the canopy or shade of the tree. Yep. And he's like, wow, there's these gorgeous flowers, like, uh, decorating the grounds. He thinks they're butterflies. He just doesn't realize they're dead butterflies. That's right. My mistake. But there's flowers on the tree, I think. Yes. And the tree smells of lemon and leather and spice and smoke, I think, which is yeah. important because that's also how the lackless box smells, i.e. probably made out of the tree. Right. And did they believe it was roa wood? Yes. Again, just more pieces to the puzzle. So many pieces. So many things converge here where the Cathay is. And that's why it's such a, like, a pivotal chapter. That and it's just a catalyst point for so much. horrible things to <laughs> happen. But anyhow, before we get too distracted with all the little details, Kavoth sees all these butterflies upon the floor and then realizes that they are being split in two in the midair by whatever's in this tree. Right. And Kavoth's at a loss where the tree starts speaking to him and Kavoth thinks that the tree, the tree is like a living being. Right. And it's not. It says like, I'm no tree more than a man is a stool. I am. I think he says, I am Cathay or I am the Cathay. Either way, it seems to be a very singular thing. I can't imagine that there's more than one Cathay. Right. That would be pretty crazy. But yeah, it's got itself way up in the tree to the point where Kavoth can't see it. The most we get out of understanding the Cathay's form is that it does speak with a voice. It's somehow cutting these butterflies in half. So I would imagine it has to have some kind of claw. I feel like there's always all this fan art that keeps coming up where it's symbolic as a snake. In the trees, the Garden of Eden. Right. And it does, at one point, Kubo says he sees movement in multiple places, and a snake would be able to do that, or something right. serpentine. But, I don't know, I feel like it's... You think it's more humanoid rather than... No, I, I think I picture almost like a sphinx. Oh. I don't know interesting. why. Interesting. <laughs> that, I don't think my brain would have ever went there, so that's interesting. I think because of the, like... The claws, I was thinking like feline, mm. and then because they're so puzzling, and sphinxes in mythology give you puzzles and riddles. Yeah, that's fair. And then I just pictured like, you know, when like lions are laying up in trees, I think that's kind of how I just pictured it. No, that's Which is so different from the fan art. I I think I've been kind of going off the fan art for a while, and I think a snake makes sense symbolically, and also... If it was, like, long and quick and agile, it could snatch these butterflies and almost act like as a whip and, like, snap them in two. Yeah, and at one point it makes, like, a sound. Yeah, it it's does like kind of do It's, like, literally spelled out, like, K-Y-X-X-S or something. So, yeah. yeah, some kind of interesting non-humanoid form, potentially. Right, and so... Maybe it's a shapeshifter. Ooh, that, that's really cool. I know there's a fan theory that... When people get too close to uh, the Cathay, that it has a bite. Yeah, because at the end of the chapter, when Kvothe returns, Valorian checks him over for a bite mark. Right, and th she's like, you haven't been bitten, you're good. And so I think that has something to do with why the Sith guard it so intensely, because the fan theory states that anyone who gets too close to Cathay and is bitten creates like skin dancers. Yeah, or some kind of infection i think you and i theorize skin dancers right but yeah because boss calls it like infectious or contagious and compares it to like a plague ship 
So there's a lot of parallels between like some kind of spreading infection with the Cathay being at the source. Yeah. In terms of speculating what the Cathay is, in our past fan theory episode, we mentioned that the Cathay might be Salitos, it might be Encanis, the demon, or it might be the tinker from Eax or Jax's story. But we recently also came across a fan theory that a shaper may have created the Cathay in an attempt to see the future, but created a monster by mistake. So, oh man, there's so much to speculate on. I know. It, it, it's such a just a volatile and intense creature. And I've always taken this conversation for granted because I've always picked it apart. And I never realized from Kavoth, he gets like bombarded with all of his fears, traumas, insecurities, and like mental all anguishes his past he's all within like a couple of moments. Yeah, it's absolutely traumatizing all the things he's experienced which are far more than most average readers have experienced which like seeing your family slaughtered knowing that you were powerless to do anything against it being homeless having to defend yourself to the point of like potentially killing other people while you're a child all his like money stress all his stuff with dana being so close to cinder and not knowing it all of those are brought up a rapid fire so it's like every single thing kavoth is insecure about like the cafe low blows him oh yeah it's intense and i think one comment i never realized that really provokes kavoth is yes he does talk about like his search search for the shandrian and how close he was to cinder but missed it and then he completely taints and like stains this experience in the fae where it's supposed to be such a magical and defining experience for him yeah it's been idyllic he's been learning he's been in like a perfect dreamscape almost right and then the cathay ruins it and it's like you know you've been cavorting with the Fulurian. what would your denna think about it and like you can tell that it just sours everything. yeah it ruins it because like he doesn't owe her anything but he loves her and so then all of a sudden now he feels it's like a guilty. betrayal. Yeah. Right. It's so stressful. And like you said, you and I always pick apart the conversation because the Cathay does bring up all these really interesting things that we didn't know, especially revealing that the leader of the bandits was Cinder. That was a huge reveal the first time I read it. Yeah. And that's a huge reveal to Kavoth because the entire time he was in that confrontation, he kept saying, it was like something seems familiar. familiar. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. seems like I've seen it before. And so all that realization comes crashing and he starts kicking himself thinking like if I had just known I could have gotten this goal that I've been searching for and dedicating my life to. And then on top of it, like you said, there's all this guilt now of, well, you've been wasting your time, not only not finding the Shandrian, but also like wasting your time with Florian and hurting Denna, who you actually love. And then it's like even amplified where... He re-makes him feel guilty about their big blowout. About her patron, too, because yeah. Kavoth feels kind of protective in that situation. And that and, like, their whole argument and, like, possible at this point, he thinks their friendship's completely ruined and it's revealed that her patron beats her and that before she, like, blacks out, she thinks of him. So now there's this whole guilt of him not being there for her and he wants to help her. So it just, it's all too much for him. Like, it's so much. I just wanted to actually go through the whole conversation, make sure we don't miss anything. So, one thing that we didn't even talk about yet is initially Kavoth and the Cathay are talking about the butterflies in kind of a small talk way. 
because the Cathay keeps chopping them in half. Right. And there's a fan theory, which we've mentioned before, that the order that the butterflies are killed in color-wise represents characters in the book. So if it's like a red and gold one, which probably represents the Calanthus line, which is the current king. Ones he calls like pure blue ones that are just like sweet and innocent, what could represent Simon or Ari. And we've talked about a lot of this on our fan theory episode, so I'd recommend definitely going back and listening to that episode in conjunction with this one because there's a lot and we'll probably post some videos on our facebook page too oh man then the cathay just kind of goes right in he knows everything yeah so he's like why don't you just ask me about the shandrian that's what you want to know and like of course kavoth is like reeling at that point right he tried to ask about the emir and the cathay was like just go ahead and ask about the shandrian you want to know about them so much why not he doesn't really give us any more information about the Shandarin than we already have, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Except for the fact that he saw Cinder. But he does hint that he wants Kavoth to go after Cinder. So there's definitely a strange relationship between the Shandarin and the Cathay. Yeah, I don't know what the animosity is, but... He finds it amusing to stoke Kavoth up with his rage and his vengeance and kind of send him loose. Right. Is it revenge? Are they enemies? Does he think it's just a joke? Is he sending Kavoth into a trap? We're not sure. But he does recommend that Kavoth find the Shandrian through the Amir and says that the mayor is a good ticket to finding the Amir and then they will lead him to the Shandrian. Kind of helps Kavoth. Maybe might be sending him <laughs> totally the wrong direction. It might be in the right direction, the Shandrian, however, or the Amir, but it's for the detriment of the world because any advice or suggestions the Cathay ever gives anyone leads to ruin. It's it's really intense. Yeah. Like and of he... course, Kavos doesn't know this. He's like, I had the worst conversation ever with someone and then just like ends up running away. Right, he does run away. The last thing that pushes him over the edge is the part about Dana, like you said, that he is the last thought on her mind before she blacks out, and that's that's it for Kavoth. He runs away. He can't handle it anymore. I can't blame him. Kathay's shouting to him, like, come back, come back. Won't you come listen? I have more to say, but he's out of there. He runs for hours before getting back to Felorian's clearing. This is where she does the um, the thing where she looks for the bite, which is just a really weird reaction. I mean, it's not a weird reaction. I think we don't know enough about the Cathay, so people who live in the Thay, the Fay know how dangerous it is. So that's something they have been trained to look for. Right. No, I'm I'm saying like Kavoth is so startled by what happens that. In the presentation of this moment, it's kind of like rolled under the rug what she's doing. Mm. But it is, I think, a big clue as to the Cathay's nature. And right. I, it took me a long time before I picked up on it, even being in the book. I think I had to come to it through other people pointing it out, saying, like, why would this be her reaction? He had a conversation. Like, why would she be looking for bite marks? That's fair. That's fair. So she decides Kvothe is fine. And the chapter just ends with him, like, completely... Breaking down and crying. Chapter ends. Are you okay? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Chapter 105. Interlude. A certain sweetness. This chapter is mostly bossed reacting horribly to this news. 
absolutely freaking out, saying, like, tell Chronicler whatever you want, embellish, spin tales, make yourself bigger than you are, but, like, you do not lie to me. You're my Reshi, I'm your student, tell me the truth in this moment, and Kavoth is just like, I am. And yeah. telling the truth, like, this is not embellished, this is my story, and I'm telling it as I remembered. And Boss' reaction happened. gets so violent, he, like, smashes the table and splinters wood and... Literally, like, we forget how powerful Boss is, he kind of shows it in that moment, he, like, sh- literally with his own hand shatters the table. A few minutes later, like, re- using magic, reassembles the table, like, makes fire, makes a bird, makes, like, all this weird illusion stuff, and he's like, don't you forget who I am, like, I know what the they is. I'm not stupid. Yeah. And of course chronicler's trying to be all placating and he's like well it can't really be that bad we have never even heard of it and he's like you know like listen man ling like, this is beyond <laughs> your like understanding and i really enjoy this little bit of like lore in the culture of the fey where anytime there's a play that ends up being a tragedy for even younger audience like kids they'll have the cathay's tree in the background just so everyone knows what they're getting into right So it is literally a symbol of, like, ruin, destruction, and disaster. Yeah, definitely an omen, which is interesting that Kavoth doesn't know about it, considering he lived it. And Bost is saying that. He's like, you know so many things you shouldn't know. You know all about things in the Fey Realm. You know about the Fasting Ways War. You know about the, like, Fey in court. Like, all these things. How do you not... No, the Cathay. How did this not get through to you how dangerous it was? Yeah. Poor Bost. <laughs> he, like, cannot comprehend how bad this is, and Kavoth isn't understanding how bad Bost thinks it is, which there's not much we can do about it now, is basically Kavoth's opinion of it. He's like, look, I faced monsters. The Cathay was not the worst of them, which I think might be a clue as to, like, what happens in book three. Yeah. Like, I think he must come up against either the Shandrian or potentially Eax or Jax or, like, Haliax, and that's got to be worse than the Cathay. Right, but then everything's kind of confirmed because it's like, look at the state of the world right now. It's in a really rough shape. Part of that probably had to do with the influence of the Cathay and Kavoth meeting. I think so, too. I think Kavoth doesn't realize that it's all because of this moment. I think he's saying, like, oh, well, I faced those other monsters, but those are all because he met the Cathay. Right, and I don't think he's realizing, like, that is what started the path. Absolutely. Yeah, Kavoth just doesn't really get it. Boss does put some, like, interesting tidbits in here. He mentions other people who spoke to the Cathay, saying how catastrophic it was. So we get confirmation that Jack spoke to the Cathay before he stole the moon which is what sparks the creation war and the development of the Fae. He says that Lonray spoke to the Cathay before he betrayed Mir Tyrrhenial. Became Haliax. Yeah. Cathay also is responsible for the creation of the Nameless, which we don't know what those are. I did read a fan theory that the Nameless are either some kind of weapon or thing that can destroy namers. That's really cool. Yeah, so the basically an anti-namer. Because we know that Amir carry, like, copper swords to use against Namers, but if the Namer is so powerful, like, what weapon's really going to work against it? Yeah. So, if anyone else has ideas about what the Nameless are, definitely let us know. Bost also says the Skandine, Sayandine, were created by the Cathay. So there's two things in there that we've never heard of before. Yeah. Which um, have the potential to come back up in 
Doors of Stone. Doors of Stone. I looked up the Skandine, literally nothing on the internet for it at all. So anyone has ideas out there about what that is, please reach out. (laughs) (laughs) It was very mysterious. Could be the Shandrian. S-C-A-E-N-D-Y-N-E. Sandine? Shandrian? No, it's got to be (laughs) something else. It's a big jump to say that. It's got to be something else. So these two chapters where we get a lot of information that people pull for fan theories, thinking about the Cathay, thinking about tying Haliax and Lonray together, and a lot of theorizing comes from these two chapters. Also, wicked late to this, but I just realized with all the butterflies and everything, like literally the butterfly effect. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Wamp, wamp, way over my head. I think they're supposed to i think the whole scene like you mentioned is supposed to be the garden of eden too so yeah it's supposed to be very idyllic and i think butterflies are just supposed to be like innocent innocent. and pure and why kill something that innocent and pure for no reason which is what the kathay is doing so they're about to get back to his story but there's an interesting moment where kavoth says he looks at chronicler and boss just says you're both so young even though He's the youngest one in the room. I think so. But I think life and experience and just emotionally being dead inside (laughs) has just made him super cynical and weathered. Chapter 106, Returning. So Kvothe is finally about to get out of the Fey realm this chapter. Yeah. It's been who knows how long. Could be a day, could be three, could be 30. (laughs) He's had to shave a few times, so it's at least some way of telling the time. Your guess is as good as mine. It's about three beards past. (laughs) (laughs) His experience coming back from the Cathay is basically he... Oh, he's completely, like, unraveled. Yeah, he's basically experiencing depression. Like, he's just sleeping all the time. He's living in this kind of, like, blurry, half-awake, half-asleep state, reliving memories not really sure what's real, what's fake. He's getting unexpectedly very emotional at unrelated times. Right. And he's just not well. No. And poor Florian does not know yeah, what girl to can't do. Hang. She can only she's only used to like five different emotions. Two of those are just like lust and like pining. <laughs> so when when she's like on the other end of it of like trying to soothe or be nurturing or comforting she's just like uh she's also immortal so i think despite the fact that she's probably experienced loss it's just time goes by so differently for her it doesn't probably hurt as much sometimes so she's doing her best to comfort kavos she brings him some fruit she brings him some water she brings him a rock that hatches into a squirrel (laughs) You all know, sorts all of the things that would things. normally cheer me up. Right, and he doesn't really know what's going on. He's just in this kind of fugue state, I guess. Yeah. Is the best way to describe it. Eventually, like, enough time goes by where, like, his dreams stop being so bad. His appetite returns. He's talking again. And finally, the last thing that returns that n- indicates to him that he's truly back is that he's curious again. And he's like, how did finishing up the shade go? Like, he finally remembers. Yeah. And she is so proud to show him yeah, what she's made. Cool. Right. So she leads him over to this little glade and she's like, do you see it? Can you find it? And she taught him what to look for, but it still takes him a few minutes to see it. But it's this like deep, deep shadowy thing yeah. hanging in a tree. He takes it out. 
he says it's amazing like it's like so light it feels like he's wearing a warm breeze it's just like comforting it weighs nothing it's velvety and florian like wraps him in it and then throws him down on the ground and she's like now every time you think of or like every time you wear the shade you'll think of me and like my warmth protecting you yeah so it's an amazing gift but her incentive is that like every time you wear it you have to think of me so therefore you have to return yes but because of this he knows that like their time is coming to an end yeah so he finally puts on his clothes packs up his things notices that even wearing clothes feels odd now because he's just been walking around naked this whole time yeah and florian it's so bittersweet him leaving the fay right now it's so sad because there's no real goodbye there is and there isn't like florian cries he sees her crying but like off privately by herself so like she doesn't want him to know well i don't think she's she's never left a man unbroken or alive no this has never happened to her as far as we know I really enjoy the line. I don't have the book in front of me, but it's like the very sight of her almost broke my heart. She looks so small. And Ugh. if I looked back another time, I wouldn't go home. Like that would have been it. That was basically exactly what it says in the book. Yeah. I don't it just, <laughs> it's that, it's so such sad. a good line. Yeah. She leads him to the gray stones to yeah. leave. One thing that is interesting is he says that she closes his eyes and they walk in a circle and he feels a subtle change of air. And the only other time Kavoth has felt that is in the crookery crockery yeah crookery crookery one of those (laughs) the insane asylum (laughs) yeah so i don't know if that is related i don't know yeah that's just the only other time we've good observation though he's experienced that so whatever she does she gets them out of the fey realm using the graystone so finally confirmed they are a portal between the two and they don't really have a goodbye just some kisses and a promise to return and like that's symbolic and beautiful and i love that and I think it's almost better that way because, again, she made him promise like 10,000 times to return. Do you think the Kavoth or Coat telling the story now has returned to Felorian yet? Like, do you think in book three he goes back and leaves again? Or do you think when he goes, that'll be it? I think what's happening in my mind is due to the current state of the world Mm -hmm. and how creatures of the Fae have already poured in. I think that there was a moment at one point or another that when the doors of stone have opened, he definitely had an interaction with Valerian, and it's not like how either of them thought it was going to be, where in her mind, I imagine he would return, and they'd have like this warm and tender embrace, like reunited, and he would never go back again. Okay. But instead, it's like calamity, and she's like, what did you do? Like... I, th- I think it's going to be, like, not what either one of them was expecting. And there's, like, no time for, like, the distraction of love. It's going to be, like, shit's hit the fan. Like, you know oh, what I man. mean? I feel like, yeah, I feel like that that's a good prediction. Almost like they see each other on the way to battle or something. Like, yeah, there like, you are. Wait, no. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how... Either that or, like, Florian's Twilight Glade will no longer be the place it was. Like, it could get uh, destroyed. I don't know. Right, like kind of like um, in Lord of the Rings where the Shire is like all industrialized. Right, like the place you think you can return to that's like your haven is gone when you get there finally. Heartache. <laughs> Absolute heartache. <laughs> so that will be pretty sad. But um, 
No wonder he's all bitter and old. He couldn't go back to her. <laughs> <laughs> like, he got away once. I can't see him getting away no. a second time. No, I feel like at, at that point, he would never leave. And regardless if he wanted to, she would not let him. Yeah, it'd almost be like, you know, in the Odyssey when they're trapped on that Cersei's, Cersei's Island. island yeah. And it's like picture perfect, but also you're kind of a prisoner. I can definitely see it being like that. Yep. Where he's kind of there against his will, but not super unwillingly. But it's not so bad. Yeah. Right. Oh. I'm stuck on Sex Island. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if he hadn't been to the cafe, though, he would have just stayed. Yeah. He would have been like, well, that's pretty neat. <laughs> right. Like, she could have finished the shade and then what? Like, there's no reason for him to go. Yeah. So. No, the cafe is very important. It's obviously, like I mentioned, like a catalyst point, but it also reminds him of his roots back in like the mortal plane right like, if you will what's your purpose yeah you've forgotten it what are you doing here which is very realistic i mean a lot of times in fantasy we get this overarching plot of like you have to get ready for your big confrontation with the bad guy but like but if you found a, a future that's like perfect and good why do you need to go back and like finish that previous battle you don't necessarily have to and like revenge is revenge however it's unrealistic in the essence where you can't just live every waking moment in preparation for vengeance like you have to live your life eat food form relationships learn things like forward yeah so i think it's very realistic for kavolt's path and like we also take for granted He's accomplished so much, but he's only, like, averaging between 16 and 18 if we want to look at, like, how long he's been in the Fae. Yeah, I think he ends up coming out of the Fae, like, probably a couple years older than when he went in. Yeah, maybe at least a year older. We also don't know, like, if people age differently in the Fae. Yeah. Like, because most creatures are immortal in there, so it probably doesn't matter, but he may have been aging faster, slower, in any kind of weird way. Yeah, there's an interesting conversation with Kavoth and Simon and... Uh, Willem about that later on where they're like so are you your current age or what like they like are all <laughs> speculating after a night of drinking or something it's like really fun I, I would wonder too <laughs> your friend suddenly looks much older yeah sometimes it's better not w- worrying too much about it <laughs> I don't think he worries too much about it he's got enough on his plate as is yes so very much looking forward to the next few sections I love his big dramatic triumphant return yes that's oh it's one of my favorite parts it's so good i wanted to just let these episodes i know it's a shorter episode but i wanted to let it sit on its own considering the cafe is so important yes and i wanted to end kuvo's time in the fey on its own so until next time happy reading thanks listeners if you're looking for more check us out at fantasticbookspod.com where we have book reviews reading list suggestions merch and you can even send us a message. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fantastic Books Pod. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks. Thanks.